It's time for Tales of Terror, only on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Shall be is in here somewhere. Okay. And how did I get here? Probably the same way everyone else does. And that would be? You arrived. Look at all those books, just waiting for someone to reach out and gaze through them. But then just how many can any living being read in their lifetime? Mortals live such mayfly existences. Here one moment, gone the next. Doesn't leave much time to read. Maybe they should just read the important ones. Ah, yes. Good point. But then who determines just what is and is not important? Figure that would be up to one's personal taste. Personal taste. Yes, you may have something there. You don't want to waste your time reading some trivial tale that you'll forget the moment you close the cover. No, you want to read something that is going to enrich your existence. Something that will enhance the days and nights of your life. Yeah, I guess. Very good. This is such a book. What is it? It doesn't even have a title on the cover. It wouldn't. It's an old journal. One that was kept by your new friend Byron. Byron? He kept a journal? Oh, indeed. He has written many of them over the ages. He enjoys keeping a detailed account of his misadventures. So why should I read this? Surely this is something personal. Personal? Yes, you might say that. But I feel it may give you better insight into the man you've entrusted your life with. In ancient Egypt, he was an advisor to the pharaohs. Some even believed he was a king once. He has been compared to Machiavelli and Nostradamus. He even has a passing knowledge of magical abilities. But he is a flawed angel. Bad, bad, and dangerous to know. Dangerous? <laughs> I don't believe that. Byron's one of the good guys. He saved me. Really? Try asking the men and women of Rome whether or not he is a good guy, as you put it. Ask the thousand he used as pawns in his endless game. Ask yourself this. What did you really see? Byron let a complete world die in fire. Your home world, in fact. Billions of lives snuffed out. All the while, his only concern was finding death's walking stick so he could make a hasty exit. But it wasn't like that. He tried to get us to stop Dr. Sparrow. Or whatever she's really called. Again, is that what really happened? Byron could not care less what Leviathan was doing, just as long as she did not get her hands on the second reality stone. That's what he was trying to stop. Once he failed, he no longer had a need for your world or its people. In his eyes, you were all as good as dead, so he wanted to leave. Then why save me? <laughs> no, you should not read too much into that, Mr. Knox. The only reason he even bothered to bring you along is because Samantha Beale asked him to. It's all about her, not you. Right now, Sam is shiny and new. Byron loves shiny things. Until they tarnish and break. Until they die. I'm not saying you should side against him, but he is not to be trusted. Right now, he has a need for you. What happens when that need is over? Ah, well, that is the question, isn't it? 
Well, that's all the time we have. I'll be in touch. Do read the journal. But it might be best if you did not tell Byron of our little encounter. I don't understand any of this. You will when the time is ready. Good luck, Mr. Knox. I fear you're going to need it in the end. How does one stop a god? That is the question I find myself asking over and over again. How does one stop a being who can obliterate an entire world with a simple thought? More importantly, how do I save Chris Sparrow from what she has become? No. That's not right. How do I save Chris Sparrow from what I caused her to become? Everybody dies. It's inevitable. You can cheat death only for so long. But in the end, death finds you and takes you out of this game we call life. But what if I could turn it back? Use the three reality stones to bring her back. Give her a normal life free of a vampire curse. Free of this being that now dwells within her body. And more important than all of that, free of me. But first I have to stop Leviathan. If that is even possible. Uh, take it easy for a bit. You should feel fine in a moment or so. Just need to warm up. Wait a moment. I was just in a... Um... Knox, are you alright? Yes. Yes, I'm... Fine. Just a bit cold is all. I don't think I've ever been that cold. Side effect of the void. No way around it, I'm afraid. The void? The ocean between planes. An empty void where all realities float around one another. So this is all true. We're in another universe? If you're about to ask if we're going to run into evil version of ourselves wearing goatees, I'm likely to become very cross with you. Why? Is that the sort of thing you run into? Never mind. But to answer your question, no, we're not in another universe. There is only one universe. We're in the Shadow Realms right now. Shadow Realms? A different plane of existence. There is only one true reality, Sam. The realm where we come from. Our world. It's the true Earth. All of these other Earths are just... Well, they're tests. Tests? What the hell's that supposed to mean? I'm not certain. But I think before the true Earth was created, there are a number of other worlds, like... God testing her abilities before she went ahead and made the world she wanted to. She. God's, uh... She. Let's not go there right now, Sam. Basically, no one knows why the Shadow Realms exist, only that they do. For all I know, there could be backups in case the True Earth somehow gets itself destroyed or something. So what are you saying? I shouldn't exist? It would have been better if I'd stayed on my Earth and got burned alive in a river of lava? Don't put words in my mouth. You exist, Nox. That's all that matters. We can argue metaphysics later. Right now we need to find out where we are and where the third stone is. Okay. Just one thing, though. What did you mean about evil cells with goatee beards? I take it they never had Star Trek on your Earth. Is that the show with the inspector in the red phone booth? <sighs> no. We'll talk about it later. Come, let's see where we are. 
We were in Portland again. Of that much I was certain. Although the buildings had a similar design, they were a great deal shorter than the ones I was more accustomed to. But this was not the only difference. Where there should be electric lights illuminating the night were gas lamps now. Where there should be cars and trucks moving about were horse-drawn carriages and people mulling about in clothing that was the height of fashion during the late Victorian era. Father, look how those strange people are dressed. Anastasia, I told you that it's impolite to stare at people, even when they dress strangely. Now come along, child. Byron, did we go back in time or something? I was about to ask the same thing. Look at the weird way everyone is dressed. We're in the present era. History must be moving at a different pace here. Oh, I see. So it's still 2012, but not as advanced as where we come from. So why do they keep giving us funny looks? I think you'll find our clothing is somewhat anachronistic for this era. Rather that or it's the laser rifle Knox is carrying. This? How would they even know what it is? Because it looks like a weapon. You carry it like a weapon, and when you get right down to it, it's a weapon. You don't have to understand how a gun works to recognize one Knox, and if you notice, no one else is walking around armed. Good point. I'll put it in my coat. Plus, what you're wearing is not helping at all, Sam. What? But this is how I always dress. And as I have pointed out, no one else here is. So it's making you stand out. I kind of like standing out. But it's not helping us. Notice the way the women are dressed. Big frock dresses and, and, and all that. No. No, 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 no. Forget it. I am not dressing up in one of those things. It's just while we're here. We'll be able to move about easier if we blend in. Byron, do you have any idea just how painful it is to wear one of those dresses? Look, we'll find the reality stone, go home, and then you can dress up like a goblin for all I care. But for now, I need you to do this while we're here. So I have to wear a frilly dress to save the universe? Something like that. But it's not just you. Knox and I have to have a change as well. Yes, but at least you get to dress in something that's comfortable. Depends on what we wear, I guess. This is all well and good, Byron, but where are we supposed to find these new clothes? I have an idea. Come on. Hang on a moment, would ya? I'm coming. Do you have any reckoning of the type, sir? If I still had my pocket watch, I'm certain I would. Well, as it stands, my good sir, my shop is currently closed for the evening. My hours are clearly marked. So be away with you, and coming back on the morrow. I've yet to put up the evening shutters, lest the older... Look, I'm afraid my friend and I were attacked this evening. Attacked, you say? Were any of you harmed? Unfortunately, no. But the ruffians did make away with all we had, leaving us only these dreadful rags, these... These... Clown costumes. Clown costumes? Just roll with it, would you? Yes, clown costumes. As you can see, we're in no fit state to be out and about tonight. Given the lateness of the hour, sir, one should be inside as it is. It'll be night soon, and we all know what comes out after nightfall. So you can understand our urgency. And just how would you intend to pay for this clothing? Well, the ruffians may have made off with most of our items, but... 
Not everything. Would gold be sufficient? Gold, you say? Well, yes, yes, yes. I think it shall. Do come in and make yourselves welcome. We made our way through the shop. Sam picked out a simple dress and made her way back to a changing room. Knox and I looked at an array of men's suits. Putting something like this on will make me feel like I'm wearing a clown costume. Needs must and all that, Thomas. Please don't call me Thomas. It's Knox, okay? Just Knox. As you wish. Why can't we just stay dressed as we are? It's not like we'll be staying very long. Maybe. Maybe not. Do hurry now. I must put the shutters up soon. We'll not be long. Now then, Knox. What do you think of- Byron! Tom, help me! Sam! She's gone! I knew I should have stayed closed. I should have closed the doors and ignored you people. You need to go. You both need to go now. They're coming. What's coming? What's making that noise? Take your cursed gold and get out of my shop now. Did you see that? As soon as he heard that sound, he was terrified. Byron, what the hell's going on? Something took Sam, but... But what? I need to find the reality stone. I don't have time for these games. Oh, but you had time for a change of clothes. Sometimes one has to dress for the occasion. The streets were empty now except for Knox and myself. A white blanket of fog began to billow into the empty streets of Portland as the haunting sound rang out once more. The fog was so thick it covered everything. But within it, I could see the outline of shapes moving, reaching down from the skies above. All the while, that same haunting sound filled the air. Byron, what the hell are those? I have no idea. No idea? I thought you were the guy who knew everything. Even I don't know everything, Knox. Whatever they are, they're getting closer. It was then that a small black cat jumped out from behind some rubbish bins. It paused for a moment before us. And that was when it began to speak. Allow me to make introductions. My name is Barry. Being out in the open at this time of day is very dangerous. So, if you desire to live to morning, I suggest you follow me. With that, the cat began to run off into a nearby alley. I quickly started following it. Did that cat just... talk? Obviously. And why are we following it? Because I think staying out here would be far more dangerous. Now shut up and come on! As you commanded. Wait, I know that voice. You! You were the guy back in Blackthorn. The one who was preaching in front of the shop before everyone went crazy. Yes, I was. How good of you to remember. It would be hard to forget. Because of you and Leviathan, everyone in Blackthorn died. Not everyone, Sam. After all, you're still alive and well. For the most part, at any rate. Leviathan... 
Oh, please. Feel free to call me Chris these days. You're not Chris Sparrow. She died. You're just some monster walking around in her body. In a sense, yes. But part of me is also Chris Sparrow. I have all of her memories. Experience. They influence who I am and what I do. Like killing everyone who gets in your way? If that were true, I would have killed Byronoff some time ago. He has become quite the thorn in my side as of late. But despite his continued interference, I just can't bring myself to kill him. Not yet, anyway. What is it you want? Why did you bring me here? Does a mother need a reason to see one of her children? Don't start that again. I am not your child. I never will be. <sighs> oh, how you force the confession out of me. The truth is, I need your help. My help? Well, yours and Byron's. And that new fellow you have running around with you. And why should we help you? Unless we help one another, we'll all be dead soon enough. You've been listening to The Byron Chronicles, Season 3, Episode 10, Phantoms, written by Eric L. Busby. Featured in the cast were David Alt as Byron, Natalie Van Sistine as Sam Beale, Ben Harmer as Thomas Knox, John Specht as the Librarian, Esther Specht as the Young Girl, Michael Liebman as the Father, Peter Walsh as the Shopkeeper, Ellie Hirschman as Freak Show, Victor Aurelius as the Cat, and Laura Post as Leviathan. Music performed by Midnight Syndicate. Byron Theme by Kai Hartwig. This episode written, directed, and produced by Eric Busby. Sound design by Eric Busby. This is Darren Marlar. This has been an Eric Busby production for Darker Projects. Hello, I'm John Bell of Bells in the Battery, along with my associates, Arnie Kunstbein. I can introduce myself. Thank you very much. All right. Hi, I'm Arnie Kunstbein. That's it. That's it. And also, do you want me to introduce you, Brad? Well, of course, Mr. Bell. That's your job as host. Thank you, Brad. And I'd like to introduce Brad... Hold it. What? Here's your script. Script? Well, <laughs> you got to know what to say. All right. <clears throat> And introducing Brad Montworth, a salesman, incomparable public relations expert, and, of course, unrivaled attorney at law. No, come on, you know how to say it, Mr. Bell. Unrivaled attorney, attorney at, at law. law. Oh, Mr. Bell, you shouldn't say those things. You make me blush. Can I do my introduction over again? No. We're here for an important reason. Very important. Indeed. If you think you deserve significant financial compensation, call Brad Motworth, attorney, attorney at, at law. Oh, boy. At 555 No, 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 no. We're here to remind everybody to take steps to avoid the coronavirus. Yeah, don't catch it. Because there's no one you can sue. Wash your hands thoroughly and keep social distancing. What? Social distancing. One more time. Stay about six feet away from everybody else. Right, very good. Oh, I gotta wash my hands.
thoroughly. I don't want to get me this corona. Ooh, keep your distance now. Socially, I want to keep feeling fine corona. Never gonna stop getting squirts from my Purell. I'm always gonna buy all the toilet paper that they sell. Bye, 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 corona. Bye, corona. Don't get no closer, huh? Beat it, huh? Far enough where I can't see your eyes, Corona. An illness history is not for me, uh-uh. Don't want to try your COVID on for size, Corona. Never gonna touch, stay away, my epidermis. Never wants to be close to where that nasty germ is. Bye, 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 woo. Fly Corona! Captain Fly Corona! What? Pumpkin Pie Corona! Now wait a minute! Goodbye Corona! Good riddance!